is oftentimes difficult, isn't it, to know what the right decision is. You guys ever faced that before? You, you, you've got some sort of choice to make, and there's option A, which, okay, that seems good, and there's option B, which kind of seems good, and there's option C, and, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming. Which option should I choose? Which path should I take? And one of the things that we've been doing over the last few weeks is looking to the scriptures to see if we can't discern or discover a wisdom to help us make those choices, those decisions. Wisdom is what's required to know which of these choices, which of these paths is the one that will lead to life, is the one that will lead to goodness, is the one that will lead to justice. Which one of these paths is the one that will lead to life and, and which of these paths will lead ultimately to death or ruin? The capacity to navigate those pathways is what we call wisdom. So we're in this series uh, called Walking Wise. You can tell by the graphic imagery, there's a lot of pathway stuff going on. Wow, isn't that, wow, that's pretty good, right? Like there's a road and a little signpost and whatnot, a little terrain map, because we know that wisdom is something to be walked. It's the ability to navigate Different pathways, the choice between this path or this path. And one of the things that we've been discovering is that life is very, 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 very complex. That what we might think would even be a simple choice can sometimes kind of explode into all these other different pathways. Or... We also discover and discern that sometimes we choose a path thinking it's the best path. And as we walk that path, we slowly or sometimes quickly discover not the best path. And so how do we course correct and how do we navigate? Wisdom is knowing how to navigate the paths before us. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate the paths before us. Now, uh, if you've been following along with us, we've put this up every now and again. Some of the decisions, some of the pathways, some of the forks in the road that we face are around money or our vocation or school, retirement, relationships, family stress, friends, enemies, frenemies, marriage, sex, children, parents, and, and anything uh, in between. And let me just ask you a question. Uh, do you find that sometimes there are questions that come up in these categories that are hard to understand? Have you ever felt tension in knowing what to do in any of these categories? Are you sitting next to someone that you presently feel tension with that might fit into one of these categories? If so, give them a guilt-ridden nudge right now. (laughs) Welcome to church. I'm joking. Uh, By the way, I do that to y'all every now and again only from the safety of the stage. (laughs) because I have yet to have some, yeah, my wife's here and she's like, you know, I'm going to save this for later. Get it warmed up. Now, when we approach the Bible, and, and there's this thing, right? There's this thing that happens where we can approach the Bible motivated by a question or a tension that comes from one of these categories. And then inevitably, if you've ever done this, 
Uh, you go to the Bible and you're like, Bible, I've got a problem. I have a tension. I have a, a fork in the road around my vocation. Bible, tell me what to do. And then we go to the Bible and you know what it doesn't do? Tell you what to do. Now, you might come to the Bible and you might say, I've got, I'm, I'm a parent of, of young children and I need to know what the Bible says about parenting. And then you read about like stories of polygamy and fathers killing their sons and you think to yourself, have I made a horrible choice? That's why so many people read people like James Dobson instead of the Bible because they, they're, they're misunderstanding how it's supposed to work. Now, here's the deal. So I want to invite you in. I'm going to give you a huge letdown and then maybe an encouragement. Now, I, think, I actually think, I think in the huge letdown, there's a gift of wisdom for us. And I'll just cut you the chase. Here's the big letdown. Ready? That's not how the Bible works. It's not answers for life. It's not, I, 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 in my field, there's a lot of like, you know, bad press and kitschy marketing and dad joke stuff. And I hear people say things like, oh, the Bible is B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. And I want to tell you that that is wrong on every single front. Basic. Have you read it? Go ahead, just read the first three chapters. You tell me if it's basic. Instructions. Is there instructions in there? There are instructions in there. Are they to me? Oh, let's just go ahead and slay the Amalekites. For me? Oh, no. No, okay, so it's not instructions, for, right? Okay, so it's not working that way. And then before leaving earth, that's not even the point of the story. The story goes like this, that in the beginning, God created all of creation, and he designed humans in his image. He created us out of love, and in beauty and wisdom, he wove together the very fabric of the universe. And God wants to co-rule the cosmos with people who are made in his image. But people, you'll find this in Genesis 3, gave God the finger, an act of cosmic rebellion, what the Bible calls sin, they turned their backs on God and went their own way. And God had a choice. Do I put on my Metallica album and kill them all? Or do I do a redemptive, restorative work? And thanks be to God, it was option B. And in that redemptive, restorative work, God takes on flesh in the person of Jesus. God dwelt among us. God becomes human, dwelling among us, and then giving his life on the cross for you and for me, calling out to anyone and everyone, no matter who you are, where you've been, or where you're going, he calls out because of the cross, turn from your rebellion and turn back to me. This is what the Bible referred to as repentance. And then Jesus does something so good. I love Jesus. He's awesome. Okay, check this out. He says, listen, this is the down payment or the first wave of my redemptive restorative work. I want y'all who are following me to live according to that redemptive restorative work, what he refers to as the kingdom of God. And one day I'm going to come back. By the way, this is not a threat. It's a hope. 
One day I will return and everything that's broken will be made whole again. And if you'll allow me the poetic license, we'll go back to Eden, except it'll be full of people with buildings. And we'll dwell together once again. See, it's not basic instructions before leaving earth. It's about God coming back to earth to dwell among us, his redeemed and restored people. And so, there must be something greater that God, and by the power of his spirit, is trying to do to us and through us through Holy Scripture. And I'm going to cut to the chase. So, it's not basic instructions before leaving earth. It's not like your car manual. It is ancient meditative wisdom literature that points us to Jesus. And the scripture is designed to be read and reread and reread and argued about and wrestled with and, listen, meditated on. Here's what meditation means. Hmm. Hmm. So we read something in the text, and what do we do? Hmm. So we can't go to the text and say, hey, fix my problems. You see, this, what the Holy Spirit, by, through the scripture, is shaping us into a people that live wisely for all the very, 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 very complex situations that we find ourselves in. This is often a disappointment to people because we have a problem and we go to the Bible and we say, fix like our car manual, and then it doesn't work that way. And then we discover, oh no, God actually wants to change me. I'm going to tell you something. Okay, you ready for this? This is going to be a huge disappointment. You ready? Just, just, just get, the Bible says, gird up your loins, okay? I don't know what that means, but it sounds bible So just check this out. I want you to think about all your problems, Most of the work that God wants to do in that space is not in them, it's in you. The major- now, now, now listen, I just want to be careful here. I'm going to use words like majority or much of the time. What God's trying to do in these spaces is make me more into the image of Christ. But I go to the Bible, and I'm like, Bible, fix my spouse. Bible, fix my kids. Give me the magic sorcery words to say that poof makes the problem go away. But one of the things that you'll discover throughout, <laughs> throughout Scripture is, you know, the greatest problem in my life is not out there. It's right here. Because the thing is, is my tendency is to continue to turn away from God and go my own way. And so the scriptures are trying to shape us more and more into the image of Christ, giving to us a Jesus-centered wisdom, which is the capacity to navigate the many paths of life. I want to prove it to you. Okay, so um, we're going to get to hope. Okay, some of you guys are like, okay, this sucks. Yeah, (laughs) with you. We're going to get to hope, okay? You just don't trust me. Okay, we're going to get to hope. Okay, let's go. Check this out. Let's read Proverbs 13 and despair together. Okay. So I'll just read it out loud. It's in your, it's in your handout if you uh, have received one. For those of you joining us online, just open up a new browser. Go to Bible.com. We're in Proverbs 13. And I'm going to read uh, verses. What's in your handout? Does it start at 13 or 14? Starts at 14? Okay, thanks. So we'll start at verse 14. And I'm going to read, and I just want to see if your problems go away when I read it, okay? 
We're going to try. We're going to try the, like, basic instructions before leaving Earth model. You've got all your problems, okay? Lord knows uh, you've got them. And uh, I've got mine, too. And uh, here we're just going to read and see if our problems go away, okay? Right? See, if, see if in this reading you're, like, problem solved. Ready? <clears throat> a wise person's instruction is a fountain of life, turning away people from the snares of death. It work? Okay, let's keep going. Good sense wins favor, but the way of the treacherous never changes. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do more than one at a time. We'll see if, maybe it's, maybe you have to add them on top of each other. Every sensible person acts knowledgeably, but a fool displays his stupidity. That's my life verse. Uh, a wicked envoy, you guys know all your envoys. Um, a wicked envoy falls into trouble, but a trustworthy courier brings healing. So if you're an Uber driver, take note. Uh, postal service, Tommy, there you go, okay. Poverty and disgrace come to those who ignore discipline, okay. Remember your New Year's resolutions. And then, um, but the one who accepts correction will be honored, Desire fulfilled is sweet to the taste, but to turn from evil is detestable to fools. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but good rewards the righteous. A good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. An uncultivated field of the poor yields abundant fruit, but without justice it is swept away. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him diligently. A righteous person eats until he is satisfied, but the stomach of the wicked is empty. This is the word of the Lord. All of our problems, Lord, have now absolved into vapor, and we give thee thanks. Wait, did that work? It didn't work. Okay, so here's why. Did you hear the proverbial nature of those? There's a rhythm to it, and sometimes they're actually not true. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we just read was that the righteous prosper and the wicked don't. Um, do you know most of your Netflix queue is movies and TV shows about the wicked prospering? So is that always true? Is that how it works? No, no but, but each of these proverbs is meant for us to meditate on and go, hmm. There is some deep interwoven into the cosmos truth here that may not come to me at face value, and I may not understand how to apply it right now, but as a person who meditates day and night on this word, in the meditation, I will be reformed. I will become shaped. God will work on me. And so we're told to meditate on scripture. We're told to meditate on the word of God day and night, not to go to the text and say, solve my problems. You guys tracking so far? We good with that? Okay. What God wants to do by the power of the spirit through holy scripture is to give to us a deep wisdom. Now, did I say that we would end in hope? Oh, crap. Okay. Uh, let me think of something real quick. Um, no, just kidding. I want to end in hope, and, and this is the conclusion of our series, and as we enter into Lent, I want to put on display the epitome of God's wisdom. 
And so I want to invite you just to take a moment. Let's, let's stop thinking together just for a moment. And I want to invite you into experience wisdom. I love thinking. I love logic. I love reason. But the call of wisdom is something exponentially more deeper than here. There's something here that God wants to invite us into. One of the things that we've highlighted is that the scripture says that in wisdom, God wove together the cosmos. That wisdom is, within the, is, is part of the character of the triune God. That wisdom is a characteristic of God. That wisdom is the, the, uh, the grain of the universe. You guys know what I, have you guys ever worked with wood? Or have you ever taken your hand and rubbed it across wood and it was really rough and like splinters came out? Odds are you are going against the grain. But if you go with the grain, it's smooth sailing for the most part. That wisdom is the grain of the universe. And so, therefore, to go against wisdom leads ultimately to despair and death, is what the text says. But there is an embodiment of the beauty and wisdom of the cosmos. And it's in Jesus. Watch. I think this is, I think that this is one of the most overlooked aspects of our faith. Watch. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17 says this. Uh, This is an old pastor writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And he says, the old pastor named Paul says to the young pastor named Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scripture. Okay, so what is Timothy known? Scripture. Okay, now watch this. Paul's going to tell him what the point of scripture is. Now, remember that we said that scripture is wisdom literature. Do you guys remember that? Have you ever heard that before? That scripture is ancient wisdom literature. And sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, it's really hard to understand how it, like, applies to all my problems. Watch. You have known since infancy the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for what? Salvation through in? Oh, that's interesting. Wisdom ultimately points us, the grain of the cosmos ultimately points us to Jesus. The wisdom of the universe, the grain of the cosmos, is ultimately God saying, come back to me. Wisdom is the path back to God. Walking in wisdom, walking with the grain of the cosmos is walking towards a God with open arms. Watch. For salvation through faith in Christ. So what are the scriptures good for? They're able to give you... Wisdom centered in Jesus Christ, which ultimately leads to salvation. Now, notice, if you go later today when you go home and read the whole book of Proverbs, notice how many times the Proverbs say, the wise shall live and the fool will, that the way of wisdom will lead to abundant life 
And the way of foolishness will lead to ruin. The way of wisdom will lead to life. Because you're living according to the grain of the cosmos that's been interwoven in wisdom by God. But to live against the grain of the cosmos, to live unwise, to live against God, will ultimately lead to what? Ruin. It's the way of the fool, according to Proverbs. All scripture is what? Breathe out. Oh, I love this language. Some of your translations may say inspired. You guys ever heard that, that the Bible's inspired? It's just, it's the word breathed out. Um, oh, okay, watch this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And uh, classic line, this is Genesis. God saw that uh, it was dark, and so he said, what did he do? He said, let there be light. What, what did he do? What was his active work in the cosmos? <laughs> All scripture is, the, okay, what? The cosmos has been breathed out by God, and scripture has been breathed out by God. Also, do you know how humans got breath in Genesis? Uh, God went, uh, humans are God-breathed. <laughs> uh, okay, that's nerdy stuff. Okay, let's keep going. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching and rebuking and correcting and and training in righteousness. Another way to ch- uh, translate that is justice. It means just what is along the right path. Training in knowing the grain of the cosmos. Training in knowing wisdom. So what, what is scripture good for? Shaping me. Got it? Okay, let's keep, let's keep going. Oh, oh man. Um, there was this, uh, a, a while back, I got a chance to go to Uganda. And uh, there was this, and we were serving uh, children who were living in a slum. And, um, and I had gotten kind of separated from the group. And I, I, I was walking up, and there's probably, I think it was about 50 of them. And they were all, um, if, if you'll pardon the term, uh, they're all considered to be street children. And, and these little boys, um, some of the people who lived in the slum viewed them as a burden, and so they would put rat poison in food and leave it out. Uh, trying to, and some of them would be pimped out. And so I, I, I had turned the corner. I was, we were with a ministry uh, at the time called A Perfect Injustice. And, and I remember turning the corner, and they were under this, like, Ramada thing. And, and there's about 50 boys there, and, and they're singing a song. And I, I didn't quite pick up the song, but they were, they were singing the song before their meal, and the song went like this, uh, I won't beg for bread because my God will provide for me. He is my daddy. How much scriptural truth is in that song? How had those boys been so shaped by scripture? Now, I don't think that any of them owned a copy of scripture, but they had been shaped. You know what else was happening? As they were singing that song, they were shaping me. I was being rebuked. <laughs> I was being corrected. You know, what, you know what my overarching feeling was when I was there? Uh, absolute terror. I was afraid for my safety. I was afraid for what might happen. I was afraid I would look foolish. I was afraid I was going to get lost. And in that moment, as I heard them singing scripture, I felt 
a rebuke from the Spirit. I was taught. I was changed. You know, as interesting as as we uh, passed out the rice to the boys, and these boys are hungry. Uh, You know what they did when they got the bowl? They walked over to some of the other boys and they gathered everyone out and they dispensed it. They refused to eat in isolation. That was teaching me. It was rebuking me. I mean, I'm like an American individualistic, consumeristic capitalist. The rebuke was heavy that day. I was being corrected and I was being trained as they lived out and sang to me scripture. See, the the training, the rebuking, the, the correcting, it often doesn't come with just me reading the text in isolation, but rather us in community engaging what God is doing in and through the word and in and through community. The Spirit wants to use the text, but not in isolation from community. It's something that we engage in together. And so just two things uh, real quick. We're sending the team to Uganda to do some teacher training and uh, to do some work. We're going to host a camp for a lot of the students. We're going to work with the Perfect Injustice. If you're interested in learning more about how you can support that trip through prayer, uh, we're also doing some fundraising. Uh, we've got a table out in the lobby. We're selling some, some DSBC swag to raise funds, and so make sure you swing by there and just let the team know that you're praying for them and also give them $50,000 so we can um, get the airfare over. That would be great. Thank you. Um, Two, uh, engaging in scripture is something we do together. And, and at 11 o'clock, we've got a lot of different opportunities uh, to engage with the text. There's classes and study groups. If you don't have a group to go to, I just invite you to join me here uh, at 11 o'clock. Uh, again, just after this service, we'll be in here. We're going to do a deep dive uh, study. Anyone's welcome. Uh, today, we're actually going to be looking at contradictions in the Bible. Um, this is kind of part two of a study. And so uh, if you'd like to know more about how we study the Bible together, I'd love to have you join me here at 11 or join any of the awesome groups that are going on around campus. And those are all uh, available in your handout and bulletin. But these boys, as they were singing scripture, were changing me. Notice, so that the person of God may complete living, uh, living like Jesus, walking like Jesus, equipped for every good what? So every path, we're thinking, okay, so what is the good path? What's the righteous path? What's the pathway I should take? As, as I try to live in wisdom and navigate all the different pathways of life, which path shall I go down? And the scriptures are good. They are designed to lead us in wisdom to Jesus so that we're equipped for every good work. And so I want to call back to your memory the paths that you face. How do you know which path to choose? Now, sometimes it's easy, right? Like, should I murder this person? (laughs) Probably not, right? I mean, we're probably like a, we're probably a no-go on that one. Uh, Are most of our decisions like that? Where it's just clear to us? How do you know? How do you know which path to choose? How do you know which path is the wise path? How do you know which path is along with the grain of the cosmos? How do you know which path ultimately it leads to justice and righteousness? How do you know? Wisdom is not primarily something we logic. 
Wisdom is found primarily not in logic, but in listen. Listen. Watch. In all of our questions, all of our problems, sometimes, oftentimes, it is very difficult to know or to see which path is the rise path. And it's not about primarily being super smart or logicking our way to knowing which way is the wise path. It's listening. Listening for what? It's listening to the voice of Jesus. I want to invite you to experience this even now as I'm saying this. Notice the text. Colossians 2, speaking of Jesus, says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowing. In Jesus, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowing are found. Knowing the Jesus way, discerning the wise path, is to listen for the spirit of Jesus saying, here, come this way. In all of that list of problems and questions and tensions that we feel, discerning the wise path, navigating the pathways before us, is to pause, and in a life that meditates on Scripture, to listen to the voice of the living God. In Jesus, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Uh, the... Um, Author to, uh, uh, in 1 Corinthians says this, that Jesus Christ is the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. If you want to know the wisdom of God, know Jesus. If you want to follow the wise path, the one that he wove together in the grain of the cosmos, follow Jesus. The way of wisdom is not about logic, it's about listen. Listen to the shepherd whose sheep know his voice and whom he calls out and says, follow me. Do you want to know one of the most frequent things that Jesus says to us? Follow me. Come here. Now, no matter who you are or where you're going, no matter what you have done, no matter how heinous a rebellion against God or how frequent the rebellion how many times have we chosen the unwise path the way of wisdom is the path that leads back to a God with open arms throughout this series uh, we've chosen some images to meditate on that when we see these images in life we might be reminded of wisdom we've had um, what have we had we've had a uh, what is it yeah, we've had a barn, we've had a lamp, we had a tree, scales. All of those images are wrapped up in one. If you want to know what it means to walk wise, I want to invite you to meditate on Jesus. When you see a cross that you might know what true and abiding wisdom is. The way of Jesus is the way of wisdom. The way of Jesus is the path that goes along with the grain of the cosmos. The way of Jesus is the way to a God with open arms who says, I will never leave you or forsake you.
in a moment, we're gonna take communion together. And before we do that, Danny's gonna lead us in a prayer song. And in this song prayer, we invite you to meditate on the wisdom of God, to consider all of those pain points that we've been putting on the screen, all of those area of question, all of those spaces of discernment. And here's my invitation to you. As you consider that pain point, as you consider that decision that needs to be made, as you consider that area of difficulty, I want to invite you to invite Jesus into that space and then listen to what he might say to you today. And so let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you and we know that you love us, that you are constantly crying out to us to turn and to follow you, to believe in your good news. And so, Lord, we pray right now in this moment that we might have a distinct, palpable sense of your spirit moving in this space. As we consider these points of pain and difficulty and question, Lord, we also consider the ways in which we have failed, the ways in which we have turned our backs on you and gone our own way, the ways that we have chosen the path that leads to despair. And Lord, we give you thanks for your undying love. We give you thanks for your overwhelming grace that you are always ready to receive us back. So now in this moment, Lord, would you give to us a sense of how it is you're calling us to follow you. Give us ears to hear your voice now in this moment. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.